0: and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. For the woman who feels like she has everything all together in her life, great career, friends, family, everything is great, except there's a tiny little voice that says, what about Finding my person? What about a securely attached, healthy, great relationship, a partner that I can build a life with, that I could build a family with? What about that part of my life? I want to tell you this the things that have worked in your career or that have worked in other areas of your life do not work in relationships. After hundreds of women now, over 500 women inside of the Empowered Secure Love program attachment theory, research, my own experience, helping so many women overcome their barriers to healthy love. I have a proven framework, the Empowered Secure Loved program. This supports you in releasing your past, in rewiring your brain for healthy love, embodying secure attachment, and it gives you everything that you need to date in a healthy securely attached way so that you can attract and maintain the relationship you've always wanted. This is designed for you. It's designed for the person that knows that they need to do something different. Maybe you've tried therapy or you've even tried other programs and nothing has worked. This is designed to give you the answer to stop your old patterns and to embody that version of you that effortlessly attracts the kind of partner that you want. There are limited spots inside of the Empowered Secure Love program every month. And if this speaks to you and you know that you're ready to do the work, I encourage you apply today. The link is in the show notes, also in my Instagram bio. The application is super simple and you will be able to book a call with our program advisors. They'll answer any questions you have about the program. And this will support you in finding out if this is the right program for you and just to ensure that we are a good fit. I am so excited for you. I know that maybe if you've been on the fence or you've been waiting, this is your sign. Take the time to invest in yourself, to work on you. You are forever your best investment. So if you know, okay, I want to take ownership of how I show up in my relationship so that I can give myself the best experience in relationships possible so that I can stop the madness, stop the game, stop the chaos, and finally show up as the emotionally available, securely attached version of me that can enjoy dating, that can have a great relationship with herself and that can attract the kind of relationship she deserves. If that's you, don't wait any longer. Apply today. The link is in the show notes in my Instagram bio. And I'm so excited for you taking this step. Hey, y'all. It's your host, Dr. Morgan. I need to tell you about today's guest. She is a real life friend of mine. She is the most amazing person in person. Sometimes I see people online and they just don't live up to the hype in person she's better in person than she is online. I just adore her. I'm so grateful that I've connected with her. It is the one and only Nicole Walters. Nicole Walters is the CEO of Inherit Learning Company. She is the author of Nothing Is Missing. And she also is the host of the Nicole Walters podcast, which check out my episodes with Nicole. They are gold. This is just a gem of a human being. And she was so vulnerable in her book. It's a memoir. She talks all about her life. And I know that if you've struggled with relationships, dating, finding your person with self-worth, experiencing childhood trauma, I know that when you read Nicole's book, you're going to experience some healing. So if you haven't gotten it yet, go to nothingismissingbook.com. Make sure you grab the book. And if you're not following Nicole yet on Instagram. I highly recommend her smile always brightens my day. She puts out wonderful content. She's just real. She is real. None of this curated, overly Photoshop, whatever. Like Nicole is real. She's human. She's relatable. And I just adore her. So you can find her on Instagram at Nicole Walters. And once again, she's a dear friend. I know you're going to love this interview share it to your Instagram stories. You can take a screenshot and just share it and tag me and tag Nicole and let us know what you thought. Enjoy it. I can't wait for you to meet Nicole. I know you're going to love her as much as I do. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, my friend, Nicole Walters, and she's also the author of Nothing Is Missing. And we're going to be talking about her book and all the things today. Nicole, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my gosh. Morgan, I'm so glad. I always felt Dr. Morgan. You paid a lot of money for those letters. (laughs) Thank
1: you, Dr. Morgan, for having me.
0: You are so sweet. I just can't wait to dive into your story because I know my audience is going to love getting to know you a bit. Um. Oh my gosh! I've never been here before. This is your first time on the show. It just
1: occurred to me. It's funny because I love you, so I literally like. Oh yeah, no, like I've know. I know all your things and all your don't. Hello, everybody! I'm excited to be here. The audience
0: (laughs) needs needs to get to know you. They get to listen in on one of our conversations. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to just start with is what was it that made you want to write this book, and kind of where where did it come from? Where did the seeds get planted for this book?
1: Sure so uh I guess after all the things that have happened, you know, which i cover in the book. It is a memoir. So that makes it a little different from i think what a lot of people may have expected from me since i am a consultant and the ceo of inherit learning company. People are used to hearing me talk about business and they're used to getting those practicalities and when i went through my divorce, which came on the heels of a pandemic, which came right after my 17-year-old having stage 4 cancer, it just felt a little bit trite, a little pretend, a little less real for me to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just write a book on how to send an email. You know, it it was like, I have to be truthful in this next season, this next chapter of my life. And I have to tell sort of the why behind the what.
0: Oh, so, so important that you're just ready to be real and authentic Mm -hmm. and vulnerable. In the worst way. I mean,
1: we were talking about this over lunch earlier where I was like, oh my gosh, I literally still cringe When I read parts of my book, because I have that visceral reaction to some of the things that I say, like, I can't believe that I shared this, but not in a, like, it's out there now, you know what I mean? Like, it's out there, but, you know, in a, like, oh, my word, I can't believe I'm getting this honest, but I also know the value of that.
0: There's so much value in it. I was telling you, you know, I was on the on the plane reading my copy and just sobbing because it was so healing. So healing for me just to read what you wrote. And it was in such an open and honest way. And there was just things that I experienced in my life to see you talk about things that are, you know, Mm -hmm. very, very similar, obviously different in some ways. But Mm -hmm. yeah, and just to see it in words and on a page, and this is okay. And It was just so healing for me to read your book. So Thank you so much. I think, yeah, everyone needs to read it. (laughs) Um, I want to know, like, in your mind, as you're writing this book, who, who was it for? Who were you writing to? I'll be really honest. I was writing to my eldest daughter. So,
1: you know, for people who may not know, I adopted my three daughters after meeting them on the side of the street in Baltimore City. Uh, Their mother was panhandling and asking for money. And I uh, pulled over to give her a dollar and, you know, a dollar, whatever I had and found out she had additional girls at home and that there were bigger needs. And so I ended up uh, at 28 myself taking in a three-year-old, an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. And, um, you know, that was 10 years ago. So I've been a mom now, you know, for 10 years and I have an 11 year old, a 21 year old and a 24 year old. But as I discuss in the book, each of those children, each of my children have come with their own issues and life challenges and I wrote this book for my eldest one because there was a time that, again, I go into detail about in the book where she was going through a lot of struggles that ultimately, so there was a time that ultimately led to her checking into recovery uh, where she was kind of, we, we talk about her being out in the wild, you know, and going rogue. And so during that time frame, all I could think when I was heavily writing this book was, I don't know where she is and I don't know what's happening, but if this book were to find her, I hope it's what brings her back home.
0: Mm, so, so So good. So the book is for her. I love it. That's, it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was telling you earlier that there was a line that you wrote that just really spoke to me. Um, And on this podcast, I'll talk a lot about the father wound, our our relationship with our fathers. And you wrote, I was traumatized by my father. I was also loved by him. Mm -hmm. And that, the nuance of that, of understanding that, yes, you can experience trauma and you can also experience love. What was it like for you to revisit the relationship with your father as you were writing this book? So what's
1: interesting, and you're asking all the very good questions, you know, I did a lot of therapy work prior to even starting the process of writing this book. I mean, before I could even have... So when writing a memoir, it's different. You are basically challenged to go back into the memory of your mind, stare at some of your most difficult moments, but not get lost in them and then describe them vividly, plus extract lessons. Mm -hmm. It is really hard to do, especially when dealing with the father, you know, and and those types of relationships. But how about three quarters of the way into my writing process? My father also passed away. He had Parkinson's. And it was very interesting because as I was writing about it, I actually went back and started writing about him differently because what i found and i've never said this anywhere after he passed was that one i'd already mourned the father i'd never had so i wasn't experiencing loss or grief in a traditional way because our relationship was so challenging and difficult and traumatic but then i also found that there was a whole new perspective i had because here's someone who always talked about later and eventually, and, you know, eventually I'll be kind. Eventually I'll meet my goals. And I didn't realize I was part of childhood me who still that still thought as long as he was still alive, that maybe I'll see him take the vacation or realize his goals or change or something. I I thought I'd healed all of it. Yeah. And so I actually had to go back and go through my book again with another eye because I realized my father wound wasn't actually all the way closed until after he passed and I was able to kind of put a final line on okay, here's a man who came and never did what he said he would do, including be kind to me or apologize for what he'd done. And so how is that going to affect the words I'm going to say regarding him into the world? And anyone who reads the book will see.
0: Oh, so powerful. Yeah. And I think my own relationship with my dad in reading your book, it was really healing for me to see what you wrote. So I encourage anybody with a father wound, which is a lot of us, there's a a lot lot of us (laughs) listening, like, you will get a lot out of these pages. So thank you so much. And also I mean
1: I think what's the bright side of it is it's not like a lot of memoirs where they're just talking about these awful, terrible, traumatic things that their parents yeah. and they're like, Wow, I can't believe you went through that, just like me. No, it's that, but it's also and here's what that actually meant. And here's where yes. where I went with it, and here's how I used cause some of the hardest part, and I mean you're the therapist here, you know, but some of the hardest part about having trauma and difficulties with your dad is that like, I learned from him too. Like he would yes. say horrific, terrible things in one context that I would still take and apply in a different meaning to fuel me to get stuff done. And it's like, that's really crazy because he shaped me in so many ways. And yet I'm not proud to say I was shaped by this terrible person, you know? Yeah. So I go through that a lot in the book.
0: Yeah. So powerful to look at that. It it helps you become who you are. Mm-hmm. And there's so much gratitude for who you've become. Yep. Right. Um, one one of the things you talk about too is there was a, a part where, where you wrote like you wanted to stand outside with a sign telling kids that they were enough or that they were worth more. It was when you had gone to a school and you saw the conditions mm-hmm. and you weren't happy with the school. Mm-hmm. And I recognize myself in you of wanting to show up for kids in a way where they just know at their core that they are enough. Absolutely, And yeah, just tell me more about that. Like, where does that come from, from for, for you of wanting to show sure. up that way? Well,
1: we've talked about this, you know, about how kids pick up so many messages based on how they're treated, not necessarily just based on what you say. And so in this particular story, I was talking about how I spent a lot of time at my newly adopted kids' schools kind of yeah. figuring out what were their needs and why were the grades this way and why were they lacking in certain ways. And in this particular um story, something had occurred that resulted in me having to haul my mommy self right down to the school yeah. and, you know, and let them know, you know, who my kid was, right? And When I got there, I realized they were just lacking in so many ways. They didn't have books. They didn't have supplies. I mean, it was a huge problem. And I think oftentimes we look at problems like that and we say, oh, the issue is they don't have books. But the issue is, what is the messaging we're telling kids when they go to school and they don't have books? You know, what is the messaging when a kid grows up and she does, they don't have food? Well, yes, it's not having food. That is a problem. They need food as, you know, maslow's hierarchy of needs to stay alive but what does it mean when you what messaging are they taking mentally when the kid says i wasn't important enough that someone provided food in my home and in parenting children that were older and came from challenging circumstances that really forced me to look at that for myself Mm -hmm. too where was i told i wasn't enough wasn't worthy wasn't important enough not just based on whether or not i had my needs met but that the messaging subliminally was that i wasn't a priority and um and I think that's where I see that a lot with kids who are like, Well, I had good parents. I had a home. We had vacations. We had soccer yeah. camp. I don't know why I still feel this way. It's because you weren't made a priority
0: in other ways, you know. And yes. that's why you
1: feel that way, you know?
0: Oh, uh, it's just it's so foundational to mm-hmm. everything, right? And that sense of being enough and knowing you're enough and knowing your worth. Obviously that shapes our decisions in dating. Oh yes. And how we pick our partners. Mm-hmm. Um, you you wrote something where where you said you were talking about your early dating decisions. Oh yes. And you <laughs> said what i liked most was feeling wanted you were talking about dating and the choices that you made mm-hmm. can you tell me more about that period of your
1: life sure and it's hard to write that sentence out loud because you know and you know obviously you're unpacking everything in therapy but there's a little shame and embarrassment about the person mm-hmm. i was then where my my desires in a partner were so low that i just wanted to feel like they wanted me around you know and obviously that harks back to growing up in a household where I wasn't a priority. You know, it felt like I was often in the way because I was expensive as a child, you know, and I had needs as a child. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I had these parents that were, you know, impoverished and struggling and working hard. And I just didn't understand the adult context around it. But that messaging was one where if I could find a partner who not only took care of a variety of needs, you know, looked great on paper, you know, like I wanted someone who had a stable job and like a good family and a good house and a good car and all those things, but also, you know, could make me feel like they wanted me around some, that was mm-hmm. enough. And mm-hmm. that isn't enough. That's hardly enough. And, mm-hmm. you know, all those things on paper are completely in flux. And frankly, for the women listening, you know, you can get those things yourself. That's what I did. If you just buy and get your own stuff, then, you know, you'll know where you really want it, right? So, you know, I'm not worried about those things on paper anymore. But I can tell you at age, what, 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. when you're finally out of your parents' home and you're trying to build your own home in future those gaps that you lacked when you were younger, you will absolutely try to fill them the best you know how. And unfortunately, if you're not healed properly, you don't really know how. And that's what I had to learn year over year over year until I finally got it right.
0: Yeah. And I think there's just so, so many women who read that book that are going to see themselves in those Mm -hmm. stories too. And you are a beautiful example of someone who really has done the work and has really taken it seriously. It's not fun though. Like, let's just be transparent. Yeah, it's not. It's not fun. I have spent a mortgage (laughs) in therapy. I mean, there was
1: a point where I was going every single week and my therapist was like $350 an hour. I mean, I was spending like a mortgage in therapy. Yeah. But it just became such a priority for me. Like really, honestly, I know you have programs that people sign up for and sometimes it can be so difficult to say, why would I spend this money when I don't even understand the outcome, right? Because I don't even know what's wrong with me. I just know I don't like this feeling. When I tell you that all I knew was that if my life could get 1% better because I had the ability to make better partnerships and better relationships because secure attachment was an issue for me in my office. It was an issue in my relationships. It was an issue with how I parented my kids. I knew that if I could figure that out 1% better, that I would have a significantly better life. I would make more money. I would be healthier. I'd be happier, everything all around. And there's no way anyone could tell me that the investment I've put into my therapy and my healing and my training has not literally made me millions. Like, I tell my therapist all the time, like, I have probably given you multiple six figures and I've made back multiple seven simply because I could not show up the way I needed to show up if I hadn't spent time focused on the healing.
0: I I love that you shared that. It is such an investment. Mm -hmm. And the quality of our relationships is the quality of our life. And it Mm -hmm. starts with the relationship with you. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about you becoming securely attached. Sure. And then getting to bring Alex, who I've had the pleasure of meeting. thats my guy. (laughs) Yes, your fiance, Mm -hmm. right? And I just want to talk about how was that so different? How how did you know that it felt different? And let's just talk about secure attachment after being in. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, gosh, I will say
1: that for me. I was not open to anything. It felt like after 12 years of getting it wrong, frankly, I just wanted the peace of knowing I trusted myself. Um, I did a lot of therapeutic work. And, you know, during those 12 years and after, and once I did that work, I was like, okay, well, I like me now, you know, and I know what I'm worth and I'm very good at being kind to me. And I I don't want to expect anyone else to do that for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't really need anyone. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting was with Alex, it was a friendship you know, that like we, were, I was literally dating him and I was like, I just like you, you know, like I like mm-hmm. who you are. I'm having a great time hanging out with you. But there was also a kindness that was undeniable. And I'm I am not going to lie. I'll be totally transparent. I knew that I loved this guy and I knew I was safe with him mm-hmm. when we had his birthday party at my house. And He made a guest list, you know, it was like, oh, I'm going to invite a couple people. And I was like, sure. We'd been dating for about three months at this point. And he invited over some of his friends and his friends. He had like 30 people show up on like two days notice. And like in L.A. that can happen, but hit or miss. Right. People were literally a flake on you. Yeah. Right. So it was like to have that many people show up on just two days notice that. I was like, that really says a lot. People, yes. co- people show up for this guy. But then it was what people were saying about him. So mm-hmm. he had friendships that were like 20 and 30 years long. People he'd known from fourth grade. Everyone said, look, he's the moral compass of our friend group. He is a good guy. He's the guy I call when I need someone to go pick up my mom from the airport. Like mm-hmm. the way people spoke about him and the way that they loved him. And I could see that through their eyes was the way that I could trust how I loved him. And I knew that it would be a privilege to be in love with him because mm. he is such a good person. So it felt like a freestanding person outside of myself that I was like, gosh, it feels so good to be in his space and I know I'm safe here. That's like the best way I can describe oh, it. Oh, you're
0: giving me goosebumps.
1: Okay, I was like, I literally, it's my first time ever really being in love before. So like, I don't yeah. know how to describe it, but it's that. It's like a complete yeah. trust. Like I understand now when people in movies run back, to save the person they love from the building. I used to scream at the, you know, at the screen, like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. Like, the person's definitely a goner. Why would you run back to the building? Like, you could still be alive. I just yeah. didn't get it. Now I understand it because I'd rather run back and have a 1% chance at, at saving him than continue. I have a 100% chance at living without him. Wow. And that's like, beautiful. And that's just totally, like, I get it, you know? Mm. That's the best way I can describe it. I don't know. But if you haven't been in love, like, that's Like and I, but I also don't need them. Yeah, like yes. Oh my
0: gosh, yeah. And you're you are describing secure attachment. Mm -hmm. This is this is secure attachment. Reliable. Yeah, you know they're going to be there easily. Yeah, that kindness, being attuned, and my brain isn't like crazy brained. You know, like you
1: worry about like. When you're not in a healthy relationship, oh well, they didn't text me back. Like, what does that mean? Or I, they didn't call. Like, for instance, while we were doing this, you know, chat. Yeah. I literally got a phone call from him, and I was like, oh, I'll just call him back. And I, I'm not worried that it's because he would call me yes. back; it's urgent. Or like, I'm not worried that that's going to mean anything. I mean, literally, things just are what they are. There's peaceful. no secondary peaceful. There's no secondary meaning. There's no underlining messages. There's no games. There's no stress. There's no struggle. We're both. Being wildly successful, pursuing our independent things, let, and each other, we're each other's priority. Like, family yes. is our core shared value. And our family comes first. So, he's a musician. So, that means he gets like tours, you know, that he goes on. Mm-hmm. And I've literally seen him turn on tours because he's like, this would take me away from the family for too long. And I don't have to ask for that. Like, he knows mm-hmm. that that's our value. And he also knows that I would do the same thing. So, it's like, you know, it's just mutual. It's just an understanding, yeah you know? And um I don't ever feel like I have to fight to be seen.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, one easy. thing I love about secure relationships, and I know this is true for you and Alex, mm-hmm. but having someone where, you know, they would never just go talk badly about you oh, to gosh, one of their no. friends or to I their I mean, family. also, I'm an angel. How would he even like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know? know, those people that like, yeah. if you're in a conflict with your partner mm-hmm. and then they're going to go talk to their family mm-hmm. or they're going to talk to your oh, friends. Like,
1: well, the thing is in a secure relationship, it doesn't even get there because yes. if we have a conflict we're not even going to leaving leave it sitting for that long where yes. it goes somewhere else. And even if he did talk to someone else, I don't worry about it being a bashing me session. Right. I know that it would be a, here's what happened. How could I look at this differently? Because I need to get back in there, you know, like, so help me get back in there. Like, I, yeah. I literally have zero, it's funny, I never even thought about it. I have zero concern right. that that would ever be an it's issue.
0: A, it's the 100% yeah. trust that no you problem. want the best for one another. You know that you're going to do what's best for the mm-hmm. relationship, what's mm-hmm. best for each other. And just having that trust. Yeah, it's it's like a a, non-thing. I wouldn't even
1: worry about him like going somewhere. Yeah.
0: As a matter of fact, it's funny. Sometimes
1: we'll go to dinners. Like if you ever been to like group dinners or group parties and you see the couples that like make fun of each other and they think that's like funny, like they bash each other. Yeah, well, she could get ready faster. Like these little digs. Yes. And every time that happens, we stare at each other like this is so uncomfortable or like sad because we're like, that's not like I would never make fun of him in front of other people like now to each other oh my gosh we rib each other all the time like that is literally our relationship is we're like little jabs and I'm like you know like we'll make fun of each other that way privately I would never do that in public like yes it's like it shocks me that that would be the like the case it's so uncomfortable to watch and we've gone to um like each other's workplaces you know so like I'll go with him to his like music things and he'll come with me on my book tours or whatever and whenever he comes with me he is my boyfriend. And when I go to his things, I'm his girlfriend, you know? I mean, I guess husband, wife, whatever, you know, like, but people ask me, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm in the industry too. But, you know, I'm mostly just here, you know, supporting out. I just love everything he has going on. And like, God, isn't he great? He's been practicing this. Like, I will just go on and on because it's easy to do because he's amazing. But he does the same. Then like, he'll walk up and he'll be like, oh my gosh, she's being bashful. She's this, this, this. Like, we just—it's reciprocal. It's—we're on each other's team. Yeah, you know? that's each the best team. part. And I can yes. tell you that was the biggest issue in my previous relationships that I felt like I was on a different team, and that if something yes. went wrong, I was the—I was to blame. Oh, where my gosh. we were finding like who was to blame versus aren't we on the same team? We lost.
0: You know? Yes, I've had some clients say that they felt like they were the quarterback but that their partner like didn't know what the play was like they're like trying to be on the team that's but like good. there's no communication happening that's right good. so it's like yeah you're on the same team the communication is there you know what plays mm-hmm. are being run and you're if gonna we win together. We together and if we win yeah. we win together Amen. like yeah. when
1: you when you hear the quarterback who's talking about the great win they're like how did you guys, how did you make this happen you carried this whole win and the person's like there's a team on the field yes. it wasn't just me that's what you expect to hear anytime you hear someone say well I'm amazing and of course I did you're like oh that guy's a jerk you know right. what I mean yes. so it's nice because that's not the vibe in our relationship. Our relationship yeah. is very like, oh wow, like we're a team. And honestly, we model this for our kids too. You know, like so our kids are like we're a team. If we don't help with our our chores, it lets the team down. You know, yes. so like our kids are understand that we all play a role in helping us get where we need to go. And I think we model that with ourselves first.
0: It's so good. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. we I, still have issues though.
1: This is me gabbing about the good stuff. Like we still, <laughs> but anytime we have a disagreement, yeah. it's just like kind of like watching a movie and thinking that the ending should be one way and another person thinks it should be another way but like yeah. both of them could work both could but work. we're both su- surprised that the other one thought it would be the other thing <laughs> that's like what our issues are
0: like yeah um and I, I always say about secure attachment it's not that it's perfect it no, is yeah, not perfect but it's that you can get to repair you can mm-hmm, get to repair quickly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're not like, going get
1: sad if we're like in a disagreement too long yeah like like literally i think that whenever we have like a just where it's like, okay, we're at an impasse. It's too hot. Let's just kind of let it, you know, cool down for a little bit. Then we'll come back and we're like, this sucks. Like, literally, yeah. like even if it was like, this sucks, I don't feel good about this. And he's like, yeah, this sucks. And I'm like, I'm still upset. Me too. We're going to need to talk this through. We are. I, I'm not ready yet. Okay. Like, that's kind of how yes. we are, you know, but it's yes. never a... You're leaving or we're breaking up. Oh, my like, gosh.
0: It's never that. No just threat. That, that. Just that difference, too, because I know, you know, I've been in that kind of relationship where it's like that threat of like, well, I'm done uh, or I'm every leaving Every five seconds. Oh, my gosh. That. That's so exhausting. To or be even in that worse, place. that you're
1: not done where it's like it's just going to simmer and until it's not there anymore. And now we're just like, we never talk yeah. about anything. We never solve anything. We just move on. Like, ugh.
0: Yeah. I know. And you know, one thing I know we're talking about being in a secure relationship, and I love that you and I can relate to this where oh, sure. we both are, you know, experiencing it and know what mm-hmm. it feels like. And and I know we both talked about how like you could see a secure relationship, but you won't actually know until, you've felt oh, it. until you felt it. You've yeah, been yes. in it. It's, it's such a felt. It thing, really isn't is. It? it really
1: is. And frankly, like,
0: I'm glad I found my person.
1: I'm not still looking, but I'm also curious, like, would it be with someone else like this? Like, if I had to continue to date, is this a Mm -hmm. skill set that I've now learned that I could continue to apply? And what I can say is that, I have noticed since being in this relationship, security in my other relationships that are non-romantic. So with my employees, I'm able to give them even more room to operate and do what they need to do and trust that they'll do it correctly and take less offense or difficulty and facilitate better conversations because I'm securely attached to them and their work. I don't feel like they are critically necessary to my work in a way that is, you know. Codependent. Codependent, right. And I also don't feel personal offense if they decide to go and do something else. You know, it's like, I'm glad you're here. Thank you very much for this. You know, I know that we can, if we did have some degree of a friendship within healthy boundaries, that can still be maintained while you go do other things, you know? And I know a lot of that comes from doing this secure attachment boundary work in relation to romance.
0: Yeah. And it is amazing how when you have that secure base and you have a partner, it frees you up to go do bigger things in the world. It's a transferable skill. Like it really does help you in so many different places. In so many Mm -hmm. different ways. Yeah. Mm Yeah. I'm I'm curious. Like one of the the themes in your book is talking about knowing that you're enough, knowing your worthiness. Nothing is missing. That things can be wrong and things can be right. Mm-hmm. Accepting the season. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about like your mindset in that and how how you get to that place of knowing that you are enough in all the seasons? I mean, that's therapy. You know what I mean? Yeah, to really learn that, but. One of the exercises that I had to do very early
1: on that was really transformative for me was, you know, I have a daughter, you know, who's 11 and I've had her since she was three. And my therapist said to me, if your daughter brings home not great grades or brings home very great grades, you know, would you tell her that she's less worthy? I'm like, no. And she's Mm -hmm. like, well, what about when she was three and she couldn't contribute to the household? She couldn't do chores. She couldn't pay bills. All she did was like eat, sleep and just hang out. Was she less worthy then? Was she less valuable to the household? Was she not good? Was she not beneficial? And I was like, are you kidding me? I would never say that to her. Like, Mm -hmm. she she doesn't have to do any of those things in order to be valuable to me. Like, I would, so she was like, you would lay down your life for that child even though she contributes nothing to your home in those practical material, you know, ways. And I was like, of course. And she said, why? And I'm like, because she's worth it. And my therapist was like, so are you. And it was, transformative for me to realize that between the time that I take my head off my pillow and between the time I put my head down, my worth does not change. I wake up worthy. And it doesn't change because my worth isn't in how much I have or how much I do. And it isn't about what I lose. It's just a state of being. We, we are worthy because we exist. And that means that just by your existence alone, you deserve to feel safe. You deserve to be fed food. You deserve to you know, breathe and feel love. And and all of those feelings are not things that are attached to money or opportunity or mm-hmm. success or appearance. You know, And it's society that has now put these sort of measurements around these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, you know, because of lack and because of parenting and because of all the different things that come at us, we start thinking that it's related to our worth. But if you do the hard work, you realize and you learn, you know, that you're so worthy. And I still have to work on it because I still get those triggers you know, yeah. from before. So it's not a perfect science, but I at least can challenge those triggers with the language that's like, no, you know, like sure that, you know, show deal didn't go the way I wanted it to. It's not because I'm not worth having a show deal. It's because the deal didn't work out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that is a totally different thing. And sure, that yes. date didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And it's not because I wasn't good enough for that person. It's because that date didn't work out. It can
0: literally be a standalone thing that is completely...
1: Yes. Do with me. I'll
0: always say you're not outsourcing your self-worth. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Because it's,
0: it's also pressure. Like, I think that a lot,
1: what's not discussed enough is people always talk about trying to get self-worth from things, like mm-hmm. a person giving it to you, validation from an employee, whatever else. We always talk about a person giving it to you, or a person, you know, getting a validation from someone else. But we don't talk enough about the fact that if you're a hard worker and a high achiever, mm-hmm. our worth then can also become like our job, like where it's like, if I'm not... Hyperproductive. If I'm not doing things all the time, then I'm not worth something, and that's totally different. And it's also super unhealthy. Like, yes, I can't. I can't only be helpful for my family if I'm running myself into the dirt, yes. taking care of them. You know, that is
0: not my value. I wasn't put on this planet to be a workhorse. You know, this is so common in our society mm-hmm. now, where I think self worth is connected to our ability to be productive yes. and our achievement, and it mm-hmm. it can just burn us out. I mean, those things are great. Like, it's great if you. I have a friend who has a whole business that's built
1: on rest. It's built on yeah. mapping, you know, and teaching yes. people how to rest well. And so she she practices that as well. And that is a beautiful thing and she brings value to this yes. world. And I'm great I am glad that she does that work. But make no mistake, we have equivalent worth. Me and yes. Oprah have equivalent worth. Yeah. Me and Beyonce have equivalent worth. We may not have equivalent bank accounts. We may not have equivalent waistlines, but we have equivalent worth. Yes. You know, um, if you were to strip us of all of our things, put us in the exact same outfit and stand us next to each other, neither one of us is worth more than the other. Yeah. And that is I think if people start realizing that equivalency, it really transforms how you move, behave, and what you accept in this world.
0: Oh, it's so, so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm I'm thinking for you, do you feel like your journey of becoming a parent is what really helped you? Because you could hear this, right? It's like you could hear it, Mm -hmm. but to really emotionally internalize it, did becoming a parent help you get here? So both, I mean, like both becoming a parent and also my faith journey. So, you
1: know, I've talked about this before, but I'm a Christian. And so what that means for me is that I get to benefit from a relationship with Christ and with God that for me resembles parental love. You know, so for me, what that says is, if if God is like the perfect father, right, conceptually, then I know that I am always on his good side, you know, and I don't have to do anything to earn it. And if I know I'm an imperfect parent and I see how much I love my kids, well, oh my gosh, imagine the love from a perfect parent, right? So, That has always provided me context before I had children. But once I had children, I mean, literally having children first showed me so much about God's love because I was like, oh, my babies are amazing. And I would go to the ends of the earth for them and they never have to do anything to earn it. Like, oh my gosh, I don't have to do anything to earn God's love. I don't have to do anything to be like, I can mess up a million times and good things will still happen. And, you know, and it was just a beautiful thing. But then when I fell in love romantically, I was like, oh, So somebody who is unrelated to you can pluck you up out of nowhere and want to love you just because Mm -hmm. it was like another layer Mm -hmm. of like this understanding of love on another level. And yeah, it really has impacted my understanding around worth. And it also makes me even more of a fierce advocate for teaching children, women, um, you know, underrepresented, you know, minorities Mm -hmm. and marginalized people, you know, what it what it's like to have your worth not dictated by what
0: society says. This is just the most important mm-hmm. conversation of understanding your worth because you're right I mean it impacts everything how we show mm-hmm. up in the world the opportunities mm-hmm. we go after mm-hmm. it's a joke have you seen that that like tiktok thing that goes around with the dad who's
1: like um, I'm taking my kid to Hawaii so that your dusty son can take him to Florida. <laughs> that's and right. Show, and, and, and she thinks that's something, you know, like it's so true. Like with my babies, like they've been on private jets. They've gone yes. to, to trips and only because I literally want to desensitize them to fancy things. You know, I want it yeah. to be where it's like this doesn't hold weight. Not that we're stuck up or anything, but this doesn't hold weight. Who are you as a person? You yes. know, and that is like. A big deal, you know. Like, I just do you not know, want to raise girls who think that their worth is going to be dictated by what someone gives them.
0: You know. Oh, this is this is so huge. Yeah. Um, and I I wonder. So I know that we have people listening who are really struggling in their dating journey. Sure. sure. They're tuning in and they're wanting to understand their attachment style. They're wanting mm-hmm. to heal. Mm-hmm. And they might have been in places where they just want to give up on sure. on finding their person. Sure. I'm curious if you can speak to if you ever felt that way, mm-hmm. and then what was it that helped you believe in love yes, again yes, and, like, yes, get yes, back yes. out there. So I felt that way, honestly, while I was married. Like, yeah. I literally was like, oh, maybe I'll just stay here. We got to pause for a second. Mm-hmm. There's so many people in marriages that feel that way. Can we just, like, normalize mm-hmm. that? Because, that feel alone in the marriage. Uh, and no one
1: talks about that. And yes. in the marriage, I was like, I'd given up the idea of love. Like, I was like, that just isn't a thing. It's a partnership. Mm-hmm. And I also stayed for even longer because I was like, I won't find anything else. So... Let me just stay here. And so, when I found myself divorced unexpectedly, it was certainly not first in my mind to find someone else. Uh, what I can tell you is it's better on this side. You know, yeah. like it's, it's true and I love it and it's wonderful and it's worthy work, you know, to do. I'm glad I healed myself first and I'm thrilled I had that alone time. It was so meaningful and yes. I do not regret a single moment of it. You know, um, being the solitude that's in singleness can feel so challenging, but. It's it's timing that matters. I do not want a thing in my world that is good for me before I'm ready for it. Ooh. I 100% want to make sure that whatever I get that's good can stay.
0: Oh, my gosh. People need to listen to that again. Rewind yes, it. Yes, listen to that again. Yes. You need to be ready so that when it comes in, you don't push it away. That's
1: right. I want it to stay. And if I think about the love that I have now, I'm so grateful I was ready for it because I never wanted to leave. And if people need a little, you know, dose of hope, you know, it can get frustrating to date and date and date. It can get frustrating to feel like you're seeing all the couples, but there is a lid for every pot and yes. you only need one. And I think we get so caught up in how many dates do I have to go on, you know, for it to work? One or one thousand. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You just need one. Yeah. You know, and that is and when it arrives, that's it. You know? Yes. That's all that matters. And when I tell you, the love that I feel right now for for Alex. If I only got to experience 15 minutes of this for the rest of my life and and that was all I would get, I would take it. I would literally take it. So beautiful. I would take it. And so it's one of those things where it's like, I'm grateful I found him when I did because we get so many more years, you know, like God willing. But if all I, if I met him at 99 and I felt no love up until then, I could die at 100 knowing that I had it.
0: Oh, you're going to make me cry. It's true, though. It's It's true. You know, when you,
1: when you really, yeah. Feel real love. Like I would I always we always I always say to them, I was like, listen, even if you were to break my heart and you better not, like, I have I am better for this. You yeah. know, like I have written a book. I've moved from being in totally impoverished to being in the 1%. I have I've had kids. I have yeah. traveled everywhere, eaten every food, done all the things, had a TV show, a podcast, a book deal. Like yeah, I, like God forbid, i love to I want to live many, many more years. I want to see what God wants to do with my life. But if I had to go tomorrow, now that I've experienced love, I'm good. I've done it all. Like I feel like I have lived a very fulfilled life. I would not be disappointed. I had a very good life. It's so beautiful, which is crazy, right? Like, yeah, I'm forty. So it's like,
0: yeah, I've had a
1: very full life, and I'm super thankful.
0: Yeah, you've heard me use this term before: the corrective emotional experience. I love you. This is my favorite thing about you, y'all. You listen to Doctor. Morgan all the time. This is how she is. She'll be like, yeah, I relate. That's so real.
1: Then she'll be like, so what you have is like a hypostasis, blah blah blah. And I'm like, what the? What is this clinical term? You're like, no, there's a term for it, honey.
0: We're just using regular speak.
1: I love that about you, though. It's like yeah. there's always a term, but you're like letting us regular speaking, yeah, what is yes. this thing
0: called? So the the corrective emotional experience okay. when when you experience something in in real life, in mm-hmm. your case, this beautiful love that you have, this big, beautiful love mm-hmm. you have with Alex, right? You're experiencing it. And it's giving you a corrective experience, meaning your brain Mm -hmm. is rewiring. It really is. What love is. It really is. It's corrective. And it makes you better. Like I'm more grace filled. I'm more patient.
1: I'm more compassionate because I just really understand. Like even Mm -hmm. when I look at people that are stressing me out, I'm like, you know, someone probably loved them at some point. Like, yeah. you know, like, or that child mm-hmm. was made out of love or that child is seeking love. Like, you really understand it more. And it, I mean, it doesn't mean I don't get irritated. It doesn't mean I don't still like cut people off on the freeway. I'm like still, God's still working on me. But, you know, it's definitely opened up my heart to understanding in ways that I couldn't before. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah,
0: no, I, I just, I, I love your story so much, oh, obviously. Oh, thank you. Um, And I just know that when, when we have a desire for love and no matter what our past has been, mm-hmm. When we're open about that and we are willing to open our heart up mm-hmm. and we're brave, there's somebody else who has an equal desire 100%. on their heart. I always 100%. tell clients, you know, your heart exists. Mm-hmm. So somebody else's heart exists with those mm-hmm. same desires. And, and you will find each other. You'll
1: find as each other. As crazy as it is, you will find each other. Yes. And it's nuts because, you know, people talk about, you know, well, I'm always the girl that they date right before the the get married yeah. or whatever else. And it's like the truth is, whoever marries someone is always that person right before like that's how it works you know so like i was married you know and now when i was married my guy was dating someone else long term and then we met each other and now that girl was the girl before you know, right. me, you know what I mean. Like, there's always someone, and so it will be your turn. As crazy as that sounds, if you're thinking about as a slot to fill, but realistically, focus on the partnership and not the party. You know, you don't need the wedding. You don't need all that oh stuff doesn't matter. It's the it partnership. It's the partnership. So I practiced being a great wife before I met Alex, and I had you know 12 years of real world practice. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I always think about it. I'm like, therapy is like. My undergrad in wifing, and then you know I did a residency program for twelve years in my first yeah. marriage, you know, and so yeah. now I think I'm really ready to practice,
0: you know. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I I love it so much, and I love what we talked about with marriage because I think people who are single sometimes look at marriage and they go, okay, that's the goal. I just mm-hmm. have to get it's married. The finish line, gotta get right? there. Nope. But you never know what marriage really is. Like you could see the most perfect Instagram highlight reel of somebody's marriage. You have no idea listen, what it all. feels like to be in that marriage. Well,
1: And plot twist, you should be defining it yourself. So yes. many people think that marriage is a finish line girl, what marriage? You don't even yes. you haven't even met the person. Yes. You're t- you're you're aspiring and uh, pedestaling this thing that you don't even know what it will be because it is your thing. And I have never met a single person who got divorced that didn't say the reason for it was we both had different definitions of what a marriage mm. was. How it manifested is another thing, but one person thought it looked like this and another person thought it looked like this. And so you better believe that you don't even know what your marriage is until you meet the person you are going to marry and then you start doing it. <laughs> so yes. it's like you're I mean, you're you're basically grieving and sad about something that doesn't even exist yet.
0: You know what I mean? Right. So just make yes. yourself
1: great you know, for whatever it is the partnership will be because you get to build it together. It's
0: so true. Mm-hmm. In my early 20s, I was always the girl that had the timeline. I was like, okay, oh, we've same. been together for a 30s, year. And then have the yeah. baby here for sure. Right. I was like, okay, we've been together for a year. So now I need an engagement ring. And mm-hmm. then we'll be married within three. And I would always mm-hmm. put that pressure on people because I had so much belief. And it's like, who said? Like, yeah. where did that even right? come was from? like, you where know? did it come from? Yeah. But it's like, it was, who even
1: came from? where did it even come from? And then it's also like... Okay, now that we're married, we need to have a kid within a year or two. Yes, yeah, we pressure. want to make sure they're two years apart and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, from where?
0: From where? Like, I don't even like you. Like, what am I yeah. even talking about? Like, what? what is this even based on? Like, yeah. it's like, and yeah, there's no rules. And I know I was telling you this now in my current relationship. Mm-hmm. I am so secure that. That's it's not like I'm like, oh, where's my engagement ring? I just know he's my person. That's I right. Know. And it's an organic, yeah. like, piece. You know what I mean? Yes. Where it's like, I mean, even with our
1: wedding planning, similar to you, like, this is one of the ways that we just overlap so much. Our wedding planning people, are, the minute we got engaged, what's the date? When's the date? We're like, mm. ah, we don't even know yet. Where's the venue? Oh, we'll find one when we find one. You know, we get to the venue and they're like, well, what date do you have in mind? Hopefully we have it. And we're like, well, what days do you have free? We like the venue, so just tell us. You know, because yeah. we're not rushing, you know? Yes. It's not
0: like. Like it's not even the pressure, you know. It's that it's that relaxed love. The relaxed. What's the rush? We're together. Secure, stable love. Oh my gosh, and it just feels so good. It feels so
1: good because (laughs) because I'm still myself. Yes. Still, I haven't lost anything I've only gained and that is the only thing I lost is I guess my singleness and even then I lost the yeah. parts about it I didn't like and I kept all the things I do
0: that's beautiful I always mm-hmm. tell people I think a great relationship makes you more of who you really are yes absolutely it magnifies who you are absolutely yeah. I don't know how
1: I could do the things I do now without Alex you know and I get yeah. bigger because I know that there's nothing that'll be too heavy of a lift for two and that yeah. is really really special
0: oh I love this so much. And I can't wait for you and Alex to come visit me yes, in Montana. We have to. We'll go hiking and we'll do all the yes. cool things. Get you a cowboy hat. I go fly fishing. Listen, I already have a cowboy hat okay. and some boots, okay? You're prepared. I am ready. She's okay, a country girl. Let's do it. I love it so much. I love it. I know people are going to just adore this conversation that you and I had. And I want them to connect with you. Sure, sure, sure. So tell people a couple things. Where can they get your book? Where can they pre order? How can they connect with you? Give us all the things. Okay, sure. So, uh, the book is available for pre-sale
1: now. Uh, You can grab it everywhere. It's called Nothing is Missing by Nicole Walters, uh, but it is on shelves everywhere October 10th. So depending on when you're catching this, you can probably just go out and grab a copy. Um, And then if you just want to keep up with conversations, I've had Dr. Morgan on my podcast, the Nicole Walters podcast twice. Amazing conversations, including one that was a live couples therapy session with my guy. So if you ever wonder what it's like to work with her, she brought the heat and it was good. So definitely come check that out. And I'm all over the internet at Nicole Walters.
0: Yes. And everyone, please make sure you go connect with her. You bring so much light and joy into my life. I'm ever having a tough day like, let me just see what Nicole's up to. So (laughs) please go go connect with her get her book. I'm just so, so honored that we have gotten to know each other. And oh, you're the together. best. We're
1: we're stuck together. Yes, It's not a secure attachment. <laughs> you are not leaving me. We are stuck.
0: I'm okay with that. So it's secure. I love it. Look at this. Yeah. Look at how beautiful and easy that was.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, everyone. Thank you for, for tuning in to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. And of course, Nicole and I are wishing you all high self-worth and great relationships. Until next time.